Welcome to the Frisco Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Ellis, and today I am joined by Jeb and Brian. You know them as Tumbleweed Textiles. Good to have you with us today, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I appreciate it. Always fun to chat with you guys, and we're going to get into talking a little shop today, but we're going to talk about business specifically, not just Tumbleweed Textiles. But before we get into all of that, give me an update. Like, what's been new with you guys? What's happening? What's, what's going down? Well, um... We're in the middle of our fall season, so we've you know launched been launching quite a few T-shirts and uh, hats and things uh, here recently. We've got a few new items coming up. Um, of course, we're gearing up for uh, a big holiday season. You know, this is usually kind of our busier time of the year as far as e-commerce goes. Uh, so October, November, we really get going, especially with like Black Friday and everybody uh, shopping for Christmas. Uh, so that's kind of on our. Uh, immediate uh, minds, you know, right now. Uh, we've also got our uh, our store, our first uh, brick-and-mortar store that's going to be coming in uh, at the patios, at the rails. Uh, they're at South County in Maine. Uh, and so um, that's under construction at the moment, so we're hoping that's going to be opening up uh, the first of the new year. So that's another thing we're kind of preparing uh, with as far as uh, dealing with architects and contractors and trying to get all that stuff figured out, how the the build-out's going to look. So, yeah. We've yeah, we're definitely excited for that. That's really cool that you guys are going to have a, a bricks-and-mortar place that people can go in and shop. Is it going to be all T-shirts? No, it's not going to be all T-shirts. We're going to try and... Um, that's another kind of exciting thing. We, we're we kind of going to branch out a little bit and kind of do some um, some more... Uh, some different types of apparel, um, you know, where we have hoodies, long sleeves, um, some collared shirts, things of that nature. But then we're also going to carry our glassware... Um, some artwork, um, books, I mean, just kind of a whole, you know, run of the gamut, a lot of different items. Okay. Sounds like fun. Yeah. And and part of that, um, as an extension to what's going on is we're also still growing our wholesale, um, partners. So we actually just, uh, signed up a deal with uh, Hallmark. And so we have 30 stores, um, in the area that will be carrying our shirts, uh, which is exciting, a little different, uh, target audience than we've had in the past mm-hmm. and, um, continuing to grow our wholesalers like Buckle, Tyler's, Rally House, um, as they grow our products throughout the state and maybe even, uh, extending outside of the state one day, um, carrying the, our products in their stores there as well. Um, but also about the products, uh, you know, we, we're trying to grow beyond just the t-shirt guys. And so with our store, we're hoping to kind of live off of our, our motto, drift and explore, and uh, kind of become a lifestyle brand with t-shirts, glassware, um, home decor, uh, different things that make us more than just your, I guess, concert uh, bar brand, but also so you can go camping and hiking and fishing and kind of live the outdoors and the different Texas lifestyle. I love it. Yeah, it's funny. I think one of the, the advantages that you guys have uh, is that Texas has, every state has some to some degree an identity, but Texas really has a strong, very recognizable identity no matter where you go. So I, I've traveled a, a bit internationally, and anytime I've been somewhere where I tell the, the person I'm from Texas that I've met, they, like, they instantly light up. They have this vision of what Texas means in their mind. Um, and two distinct stories I remember. One was a, a cab driver in London. As soon as I got in the cab and he said, where are you from? I said, Dallas, Texas. I was living in Dallas at the time. I was not in Frisco. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, all he wanted to do was talk about the Dallas Cowboys. 
um, the whole time, and, and, and he was fascinated by that. And then on another occasion, um, I was actually visiting a, a resort in Bulgaria, and we were on the beach, and we had a, a, a person that was working in that area that, that we met. She's like, where are you from? And I said, Texas. And, and she just wanted to sit down and talk all about Texas. What's it like? How did you end up in Bulgaria? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's neat that you guys have that to kind of as a part of, of Tumbleweed Textiles. And I think it's something that will definitely carry you forward even as the brand expands beyond Texas. I mean, that's something that a lot of people identify with. For sure. Yeah. Right. I think so. that's one of the things that kind of propelled our business from the get-go. I mean – I know now it seems like there's state, you know, pride brands all over the place for every state. And there's, you know, a ton of other ones in Texas. But and there were some before us, but we felt like there wasn't anyone kind of doing exactly what we started up, you know, eight years ago, kind of with more of a unique kind of style. It wasn't just the flag on a shirt. It wasn't just the state of Texas on a shirt uh, or God bless Texas or anything like that. So we tried to come up with the unique designs and on a soft, comfortable shirt. And I think that's kind of when we hit that niche, um, people were drawn to that. And of course, yes, Texas pride, people love Texas. And so we had that going for us. And so creating a, a product that, that people could be proud of and then also that was comfortable and unique, I think that's really kind of what helped us early on and kind of get our feet wet and get going. For sure. And you guys have had a lot of success. So let's go back to the beginning when you guys started Tumbleweed, did you envision that this was where it was going to go? Or has it really kind of blossomed beyond any expectations you might have had, if you can remember that far back? So, well, first off, um, probably core to Tumbleweed textiles is not Texas t-shirts as much as Jeb's craft of art and design and my craft of more marketing business and just honestly sales. And so when we uh, was, were in his classroom deciding what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, uh, we knew we wanted to uh, kind of live out our teaching, um, class, you know, what our classes were. So, um, of course, with me being more of the visionary, uh, and Jeb can agree, I remember sitting uh, in his back patio saying, we're going to make this a million-dollar company. I believe it. Um, he probably was nodding his head, uh, sipping on his beer, saying no way at all. Um, but I did have a vision to take it to where it's at today. And I think Jeb, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but it was more about the design and having a good time and uh, us as friends uh, just living out our craft. Um, what's your thoughts? Oh, I would totally agree. I think early on I was very narrow-minded kind of with what we were doing, I was like, oh, this is be, this will be fun, you know, print up some T-shirts with my artwork on it, and we can sell to family and friends. We'll make a couple hundred bucks here and there. It'll be kind of neat, you know, to see people wearing our shirts. Brian, from the get-go, definitely, he is the, more the visionary, so he was kind of looking longer term, like, you know, we can get in stores, we can do this, we can, you know. So I was just thinking, oh, let's just sell a few shirts and kind of see what goes on. So Brian's been good for me as far as, like, kind of getting in line with a vision and, you know, making some of these things that we've talked about actually come true. And on the flip side, Jeb's good for me because uh, I'm so focused on uh, growth and expansion and uh, being uh, effective and successful. He kind of brings me back down to earth to have a good time and and, and realize, (laughs) you know, uh, there's a lot more to life than just business and success. Uh, You know, kind of sit back and enjoy family and enjoy traveling and music and food and um, and that's really the heart behind Tumbleweed Textiles is the lifestyle, not just being driven for fashion and, and success. 
Yeah, and I think that's the first good takeaway kind of business lesson here is when you have a partnership with somebody and you're starting that business, finding somebody that isn't necessarily just like you, but somebody that compliments you and you guys compliment each other uh, as you guys seem to. Um, you know, one of you more focused on the business side and the growth and the vision, somebody else more on the, the maybe the product side and the artwork and all that kind of stuff is a, it's a good, uh, good partnership for you guys. For sure. Right. Yeah. What was it, what was it like when you first started working together? Had you known each other for a while or was the, the friendship fairly new as well? Um, I'd have to think about it. I don't know exactly what year Brian got to, to Liberty High School. I've been there since the get go. I don't know. He came in. What year was it? Uh, 2009. Okay, so he was there. We'd known each other maybe about a year and a half before or a year or so, I guess, before. We both went to Texas Tech, so that was kind of how we hit it off. You know, we had we could talk about uh, Red Raider sports and things of that nature, but um, I, I would say we weren't longtime friends. We had only known each other for a little while. Right, and, you know, my wife uh, at that time was not teaching. She is now, but she owned at that time a photography business. So I think actually one of our first conversations was around – her doing some portraits for his family. Right. And Interesting. And then we start talking about Colorado because we both travel to Colorado each year and um, then talk about Texas and, and beer, craft beer and wine and uh, barbecue and food. And we just started making a connection. And sure. then from my experience in advertising, uh, I, I saw him drawing something and I was like, man, we got to do something with that. that you know, because my creative juices were flowing. And so our interests and connection then saw an opportunity and that's where we kicked it off. Okay. Very good. So as you guys started tumbleweed and the business started to get some traction and take off, uh, talk to us a little bit about any places along the way where you maybe had to change directions or pivot a little bit. Cause if there's anything I know about running a business is it never goes exactly according to plan. Right, there's always things that kind of come up and, and maybe shift your thinking or where you're going with that. How much has that happened for Tumbleweed, or have you guys just been on a nice linear path and you're one of the lucky ones that yeah. that all kind of fell in line for? Well, you know, kind of even going back uh, as a business student in college to um, actually being in the business world, starting previous businesses before Tumbleweed Textiles, and then as a business teacher, um, the textbook answer is make a business plan creative mission, vision, um, write everything out and then, then go. But for us, it was the complete opposite. And it was, let's get going. You know, it's, let's create art, let's sell it, let's create more art, let's sell it. Uh, we didn't really have time to stop and think about it. And, um, and that's really, I think, how we got started is we weren't thinking too much. You know, we, we found a niche. Uh, we knew who we could sell it to. And we utilize our community, which was Facebook, uh, Twitter, um, Instagram, slowly getting there, and then just emailing our friends. And I remember sitting down with him the first day, and I think I either by email or by a sheet of paper, and I created a target. And I, and I created the core, the center of the target, and said, who would be the lowest hanging fruit? Uh, who should we try to reach out to, which was our parents, our sisters, you know, brother, whatever. And then I created the next ring, and it was um, our peers, the people we're teaching with. And then I created the next ring, and, you know, going on from there, our neighbors and so on. And that's really how we took, uh, took the next steps of ta- you know, creating our product and then reaching out to people in an organic way. Um, I don't think for the first few years we did any paid advertising. 
it was solely word of mouth and relational based uh, marketing. Right. And then uh, as far as like issues, I mean, they were happening from the get go. Like we really <laughs> didn't know what we were doing. I, I remember we wanted this particular shirt color for our very first design and the manufacturer was out of it. So we had to go with another color. And then we thought we were getting some really good quality shirts, but we were still kind of being cheap. Um, <laughs> you know, we didn't want to spend a whole lot of money. So um, some of the shirt, the shirt quality early on, we were kind of like, uh, maybe we should move to a different brand after, you know, we kind of printed our first runs. Because we were finding out, you know, people were saying, well, they're kind of shrinking up. And so we were just learning on the fly totally at the beginning. Um, as far as pivoting goes, I mean, we were just, it was just always like a co- constant learning uh, process, you know, because we didn't know a whole lot about the screen printing industry either. And, and so we were learning that uh, as well. Yeah, nonstop adjustments for sure. Oh, yeah, it still is. And I, and I think with that is we're, we're good old boys. That's, I think that's how uh, people would uh, describe us. Yeah, very loyal, uh, actually loyal to a sense that it could be detrimental for our business. And I think early on, we learned um, our loyalty had to be to ourselves and, and to our core, um, our family, because there was decisions that sometimes we would make that were not best for the company, but were better for a friendship, such as screen printers or other business partnerships. And so we've really learned early on that there's hard decisions that have to be made for the best of our company, which the best of our company is what's best for our customers and best for the good of our families in the long run. So, um, you know, early on, as he mentioned, uh, some of those garment and quality decisions, uh, part of that was changing to a new printer, uh, changing uh, instead of us fulfilling out of our garage, moving to a fulfillment agency that could get things out quicker and faster and uh, with quality. So, yeah, makes a lot of sense. I, those are tough decisions sometimes to balance. You know, you've got to make decisions that affect you, I mean, if, if you're running the business, they affect you and the business, and and keeping the balance between those things is interesting. Are there any maybe other examples that you can give me of a decision that you guys had to made where make where maybe it wasn't necessarily what would have seemingly been in the best interest of the business, but it was better for you guys, your families, something like along those lines. I mean, kind of what he was saying with our screen printer, we went with. Um, some great guys out of Denton. Uh, we, there was just kind of a screen printer that had been recommended to us, and we started printing a lot of shirts, and they outgrew their space, and they moved to another space, and they kept printing more of our shirts, and they they were having a hard time keeping up. They moved twice while we were with them, I guess actually three times, to a big facility, and then we that's when we kind of had them start uh, taking on our fulfillment. Um, and, you know, they were doing a pretty good job, but they weren't quite on pace like with what we were kind of like what Brian's vision was like we need to grow we need to be pushing stuff out and there was they were a little bit more laid back as far as that goes and mm-hmm. so it was a little slowing us down a little bit so I think that was one of our our kind of big moments where we were like we need to because we were kind of getting courted from other screen printers at the time too um, and so we had to really kind of sit down and have a hard conversation w- with those guys and eventually we ended up you know going to another printer not that those the first group was bad or anything it just w- wasn't they were kind of hindering our growth, I guess you could say. So yeah. that was a really tough decision because we really liked those guys a lot. They became our friends, and and uh, it was hard to to do that. I remember that conversation was was pretty difficult moving because we were their biggest client, right? And and I think uh, another example um, where we had to make a decision that was better, maybe for us or our family, um, is kind of a still a ongoing thing. And 
that's what deciding to stay as teachers uh, for myself and Jeb and my wife, uh, probably longer than someone like a Mark Cuban would say we should on Shark Tank, you know, and um, Jeb is still a full-time teacher. Uh, my wife is still a full-time teacher as well. Um, so I'm the only actual full-time on paper person for our company. Um, and so I know if all of us went full-time, we could probably exponentially grow. But it, for our family, the conservative decision to allow them to stay as full-time teachers um, is probably what's better financially for their family while we slowly build our, our, you know, our company to where we hope to go with it. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a really good point. There's a lot of, hopefully, people that are listening to this are, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that have side hustles or they want to start a business, but they're going to have to work their full-time job while they're doing that. And that can be a very tough balance to find. Is there a point at which, in your case, you, you've rolled full-time into the business Correct. and are not actively teaching now. Was there a certain level that you got to or, or something that happened in the business that made you say, okay, this is the right time. We need at least one of us to roll into this full-time and focus on, on the business? For sure. And I think uh, the decision was actually not for Tumbleweed Textiles. I think it was actually for my students. Uh, there was a, uh, as Jeb can probably uh, vouch for me on this one, is uh, I'm a workaholic. I love to work. I love to give my very best in everything I do. And I finally started realizing, one, my passion was more towards entrepreneurship in our business than the classroom. But then two, without purposely doing this, I noticed that was causing my time and focus to be more for Tumbleweed Textiles than my students. And I knew at that point it was time to step away so that they uh, wouldn't hinder their learning for future years. But then secondly, when, I, when, we, when we started, it was a $700 investment, $350 each. For those first couple years, we didn't take you know, an income. We just kept on uh, reinvesting the profit. So finally, fast forward to when I stepped away, we were able to actually pay ourselves. And, and I was able at that point to pay myself what I, was, what I was getting paid as a teacher. And then so I felt fully safe for that. And then and also my daughter was going into uh, kindergarten, so we weren't having to pay childcare anymore. So that, that was also a big part of that decision is the expenses for our family. Um, and then also just the vision of knowing, uh, getting wholesale accounts and uh, the opportunities for opening a store in Frisco. We knew it was either going to be me going full-time or we were going to have to hire someone to do it full-time. And I would rather pay it myself than someone else to do what I know I'm most passionate about. Yeah, how do you, how do you know, and, and you personally, when you've kind of hit that limit that there's only so much that you can do. And at some point, we have to start handing off parts of our business to other people and letting them kind of run with that. Um, I completely understand not being comfortable and like wanting to be involved in everything, but there comes a point where that just doesn't work anymore. Are you guys hitting that on, on uncertain levels, or are you anticipating that at all? Yeah, we're definitely <laughs> hitting that point. Um, yeah, we realize, you know, early on, I know we try to do everything. Like, we were doing social media. We were doing fulfillment. We were doing design. We were doing every aspect of the building. And it, it gets exhausting, and it, and it gets overwhelming at times. And, and of course, we listen to a lot of business podcasts, read a lot of books and things, too. And, and they basically say, you know, you have to release and get rid of some of the things that, you're not 
you know, there's always going to be someone that's probably better at what something that you don't like or that enjoys something that you don't like doing. Hand that off to someone. And so we've definitely done that in some cases. We've got um, a girl named Audrey that lives in um, Colorado, which is Brian's sister-in-law. She runs all of our um, customer service. So she answers all, because that was taking up a lot of our time answering emails you know, and inquiries on Facebook or wherever. Hey, uh, you know, do you, does this shirt come in this color? Does I have a, I had a little hole in my shirt. How do I return it? I mean, we were just dealing with that. Was taking up a ton of our time. Um, we handed that all over to her. We don't have to mess with it anymore, and it's been awesome. Um, we've also got a couple uh, folks that help us in the wholesale business, as far as like sales rep, and they kind of go out and they find, um, you know, stores and, and companies that, that can carry our goods. Where that was something that Brian was kind of doing full time too. So we took that off of his plate, and so that gives Brian more time to do the things that he loves. And so, I think that's real important for any small businesses. You know, and there's millions of people that have said this before, but the stuff that you don't like doing, <laughs> there's going to be someone out there, you know, that can take that load off of your shoulders and then that gives you more time to do uh, the things that you're passionate about and that you love and that's going to help grow your business even though it's an expense you're like oh man it's going to cost a lot of money to pay so and so to do this job but in the long run it usually in our situation has paid off because that helps our growth even more and it helps your happiness if you're not doing things that you don't like and one of the things that i've found over the years on that front is it's not only things that i don't like to do but there are what's hard for me to get my head around sometimes is I, there might be an aspect of a business that I just it has to be done, but I hate doing it. There are somebody out there that loves doing that activity, right? For sure. Um, and it's hard to imagine when you when you don't like doing something that there's somebody out there that's exactly the opposite and would absolutely love to be doing that. But those people are out there, and I think that's what you have to find is somebody that has a passion for customer service or something like that that right. is really going to hit it out of the park for you. For sure, and and actually. There was kind of a moment uh, this past year. Uh, I was actually at a conference at uh, Preston Trail Church, and it was uh, work is worship. And um, just just something random I decided to go to, I was invited to uh, from a friend. And I was really convicted when they were starting to, uh, you know, call it a, a, a verse or a quote, but it was uh, uh, about being the light of the world and being the salt. And I was convicted because I started realizing my biggest passion is not Texas t-shirts. We love it, but that's not my passion. My passion isn't sales. It actually isn't marketing. It's actually building a team. It's actually management. And so when I started looking back at maybe the the little successes in my life, going all the way back to high school from um, being the captain on the soccer team to being in student council, fast-forwarding to being a soccer coach at Liberty and then being a teacher at Liberty, it wasn't actually the content of marketing that I loved. It was creating teams, inspiring people, helping people, education and teaching someone. Um, And with that said, I started realizing my role at Tumbley Textiles is more than just sales. I need to build a team. I need to be a light to my staff and that really, to me, is my biggest mission, I believe, is to help build a team and provide a great place for someone to want to work. And I know it's going to take time. It might take years before we have a full team. Um, but it's one of those things that I know that will give me the most fulfillment in my job. Um, because all the time since I've left teaching, I'm thinking, man, I'm not helping people anymore. Well, I can help my staff, you know, and I can encourage them, inspire them, motivate them. 
not necessarily in a religious way, just in a in a just a good life kind of way, and um, and so that's kind of my goal as we move forward, and that's actually what Jeb and I have been working on over the last few months is kind of our core values and our our core principles as a as an internal team, so that we can start seeking out the best fit, uh, the people that are the best fit fit for our team to then hopefully serve our customers as they deserve. Yeah, I think having those core values identified becomes really important as you grow. Um, and that's one of those things that maybe might change from when you very first start to kind of where you go down the road, or it may not. But uh, I know that's something that at Lifestyle Frisco, uh, Wendy and I, and um, and even Nicole and Kelly on our leadership team have all taken part in really establishing what are those core values and um, how do those fit into our business have you guys really de- clearly defined those at this point? Or are you still working through what those are? Uh, it's kind of it, it is ongoing uh, because as we start thinking, oh, we're, we're, we might uh, be growing in this direction. You know, we're in such a growth mode right now that there are things going on that we don't even know it's you know it's going on. But I think we, for the most part, have our core values pretty well locked down. Um, I mean, do you want to kind of share share kind of the direction we're going or? Well, like Brian said, we're kind of fine-tuning them, I guess you could say. We have a long list of, of things that we want to be and we you know, we stand for, and, and, and it's more of a matter, I guess, of just kind of whittling those down to uh, kind of what falls under what category as far as, you know, we want to be, you know, good stewards of the community. We want to give back. Uh, we also want to create, you know, unique um, designs and kind of be uh, forward-thinking as far as that kind of stuff goes. Um, the way we interact with people, the relationships that we build. Um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, all that kind of all in a, a bundle mm-hmm. um, are kind of the things that we stand for, for sure. So one of the things I wanted to, to drill in on a little bit more, you talked about the target that you were drawing when you first started and who are we going to go and, and present our business to and, you know, let them know that we're doing this now. I'm a, a big advocate of having a, a persona that you so you know who you're talking to, who you're selling to, kind of helps with brand voice and things like that. Have you guys really laid out a a persona of who your ideal customer is, or has it just sort of kind of come along with the business as you've grown? And uh, I think we very much defined who we were going to be reaching back in 2011. And that was people like us, you know, because we knew who we are. We knew how people effectively reach us. So naturally, if we know who we are, we could easily go pursue people like us. But we quickly found that it was a lot of women buying our product and not men, you Hmm. know. And yeah, that's one of the amazing things about social media and Google Analytics is when you start digging into the, the data, we started realizing, okay, it was majority women buying our product. And at that time, we decided, okay, we're going to roll out uh, these women-cut T-shirts. Well, very quickly, the women were like, no, we don't want to wear women-cut T-shirts. <laughs> we want comfortable shirts. And so then we changed our products from just men's and women's to just straight men's slash unisex fit T-shirts. And when we did that, our, you know, our sales exponentially grew. We used to sell our T-shirts at you know, $20. And um, when we bumped our shirts to 25 for to, to fit a wholesale model, because um, we had a match that you know what their pricing is, right. sales increase, and we're thinking what you know because it, it the value of the shirt was more and you know in the minds of our customer, 
And with that said, we started realizing it's, it's the everyday kind of Frisco person. Um, it's, you know, uh, a middle class uh, person that uh, wants to buy a shirt, but they don't want to waste money on it. They want a good quality T-shirt that they put on a hanger in their closet. They don't fold and put it in their dresser. Um, it's a person that likes to get out and have a good time, but is a family person. Um, it's someone that values education, values art, values the craft. Um, and craft meaning barbecue and food, uh, tacos, uh, wine, whiskey, beer, but then also the arts. And so that's kind of our, our person. It's, it's the person that, as we say, drift and explore, that they want to get out and try new things and uh, have a good time with family and friends doing that. And be comfortable and look good doing it. Exactly. <laughs> when, you're, uh, Jeb, when you're coming up with a new design, how much are you thinking about the person that might want to wear that design? Or are you just kind of letting your mind go and getting creative and whatever comes out comes out? Well, that's that's been something that I've kind of struggled with uh, because early on I was creating a lot of things that I thought would be something I would want to wear, something cool or unique that I would want to wear. And some of that resonated with people. Um, other things didn't as much. There were some things I thought would be a home run, and they're like, eh, you know, they weren't really – didn't do that well. And then we kind of, as you know, so we've been around for eight years. So as we've kind of moved forward, we've noticed, I mean, some of our top sellers have been our top sellers for five, six, seven years, Mm -hmm. the same design. We kept thinking it's going to die off, but it it doesn't. And so you kind of evaluate those top designs and then you kind of work around that theme or idea. And then we always throw in some kind of creative kind of off the wall, artsy type of stuff too, just to kind of see what's, what's going to stick. But uh, I think definitely we have, we've learned, kind of at least for our the stores and things that sell our stuff kind of what what sells and we kind of try to move some of that stuff that way um but you know we we do have a lot of little niches that in texas that we design for you know so there's a certain you know niche that the barbecue crowd likes and there's a certain niche that the the texas music crowd likes too so we also kind of design to those uh, specific groups as well whether it be colors or just kind of designs or like in style kind of trendy um topics or whatever it might be. And, and to kind of expand on that, a lot of times when people uh, are starting a business and they're trying to figure out who they're going to reach, what they do is they try to copycat another brand, if it's in fashion or another product, what, whatever it is. And that's one of our things that we value maybe more than anything is uh, Jeb and our, our design team we don't want them looking at other artists and designs because they're, they're more likely to copy that design. Yeah, even if it's subconscious sometimes, right? It exactly. It gets into your head and then it comes out in your work. Yeah. For sure. And, and obviously we're humans. And so that probably happens because we are naturally always reading magazines and looking at websites, Pinterest, Instagram. But we try to design our designs in a very unique, creative way with our spin on it at all times. And from there, it, how we do the colors or how what kind of garment we put it on or if it's decor or glassware, that really will differentiate it to our target audience. Um, or what our, you know, because obviously uh, our wholesaler Cavenders is a lot different than Buckle. And both of those are a lot different than Tyler's or, um, you know, one of our retailers like Hallmark. So that really differentiates our audience just by their audience but um 
taking those products and making them, uni- or those designs, making them fairly universal, eclectic uh, in nature, uh, then allows us to put it on a product and, you know, be able to specifically target an audience. Sounds good. Well, before we uh, wrap things up here, I want to ask you guys just kind of one open-ended question. If you were giving advice to somebody who's listening to this, is planning to start their own business, whether it's a side hustle or they're going straight into it full-time, what advice would you give someone that's just, and I know that's a big, broad question. There's probably a lot of things you could say, but what one or two pieces of advice would you give to somebody that's just just getting started? Uh, I'll start. Um, I would say just start it. (laughs) You know, don't... (laughs) Don't think too much about it. Exactly. I mean, don't... There's a lot of times people try and get everything exactly perfect, whether it's the timing of it, like I'm going to start my business, but I got to wait till I get to this point or I got to do this. I think if you just jump in, it doesn't have to be perfect from the get go. And then those are things that you can kind of tweak as you start, because there's going to be mistakes like we talked about earlier. I think it's like if you have a really good idea and you kind of have the groundwork and you have, and you have, you know, do it before someone else does it, kind of get in the game then start kind of picking up the pieces and figuring out how to perfect it. But I think a lot of people, they get so honed in on trying to make everything perfect before they launch and they're wasting all this time. And then other other people, yeah. So I would (laughs) say just, you know, if you have an idea, get it going and then kind of fix, fix it up as you go. That's great advice. And I I would say it it kind of sounds like it contradicts that, but um, it, it doesn't. So I would say not, not formally, but just mentally in your heart. Uh, think about who are you, uh, what are your morals, and move forward in a way that doesn't con- you know contradict who you are and what you believe in. Because that's so easy to do when you start looking at money and opportunities and um, start trying to ch- chase the easy money. Is just know who you are and what you believe, and make sure you stick to that. And then a second thing is. As you do start going and moving forward, immediately build systems on the fly, such as accounting systems, QuickBooks. Put all your data in a, in a QuickBooks. Immediately start Google Analytics, so you start gathering the marketing data. Um, project management systems, like something like Asana. Um, quickly get in that so that everything can be well-organized. Because that was one of the hardest things I feel like for us is having to backtrack, right. gather all yeah. this data, looking through emails, looking through um, Google uh, Drive and trying to clean up things like Dropbox. And if you immediately do that right off the get-go, it will make your life a lot easier and will hopefully help you make wiser choices and decisions later as, as your company is growing and being successful. Yeah. I think that's really good advice because, yeah, going back and trying to reconstruct that stuff down the road can be an absolute nightmare. Um, we're also a big fan in, uh, of documenting our processes, something we've become f- pretty hardcore about, uh, so that as we bring other people on board, they can. it's easy for them to train them up and for them to kind of take over in a role or, or do what they need to do. And it's all nicely documented. But to your point, to Jeb's point, it's not the documentation isn't perfect. I tend to be very detailed about it, yet somebody else will come along and still find gaps or, well, I wasn't sure what to do here or what do I need to do there. And you got to get comfortable with that not being perfect all the time. Just get started, get going, and let it evolve. Right? For sure. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing some of these insights with us. I think, I, I, you know, if people uh, kind of tune into this podcast and enjoy it, hopefully they'll leave us some comments and let us know. If you're listening and you have questions you would like to ask these guys, leave us a comment. 
and uh, maybe we can turn this into a small series. We can come back and revisit some of this stuff from time to time. I'm a, you guys are actual teachers, but I love sharing the the knowledge and experience I've gained in in the businesses I've been involved with as well. And I'd love to see us uh, revisit this from time to time and and help people along their journey as well. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Love it. So, yeah, you guys, you heard it here first. So start asking some questions and. Uh, we'll bring these guys on. Maybe we'll reach out to some other business owners to join us from time to time, and we'll turn it into a thing. Sounds fun. Love yeah, it. Thank you. It. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks to all of you for tuning into the Frisco Podcast. As always, please go out and subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and pretty much any place you're listening to podcasts. We're also putting the podcast out on YouTube. So if you haven't subscribed to us there, please do so, and we'll see you online.